Father, we do pray that you would be glorified, that you would be glorified in our lives, that you would use your word by your spirit uh, to conform us to the image of your son, that as we trust in him, you would be pleased. Uh, We thank you for an opportunity to be together, to look into your word today, and I pray that you would illuminate, uh, that you would help us understand what you intended, and that you would work in our hearts that which is pleasing. So we thank you for this time. We commit it to you now in your son's precious name. Amen. Well, before we were saved, if if you've been saved, uh, we were servants. We were slaves. We were servants to our own desires. We spent each uh, day, every waking hour, following our own desires. And we experienced the slavery and the result of, of sin and death. And when Jesus Christ uh, illumined our heart by his spirit through the gospel uh, concerning what he did on the cross for us and our sinfulness, when we trusted in him, we were set free. We were set free to serve a new master. And as believers, uh, we are servants of the living God. Yet what does that look like? What does it look like to be a servant of the living God? How does that uh, pan out in everyday life and the decisions we make and careers and all the different things that that have to do with with being a servant of the Lord? What does that look like? Well, today I believe we're going to see that along with uh, having a right mind uh, towards the Lord God for prayer, we are to be loving one another fervently and within that we are to be serving one another. Would you turn your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 4? And this is a tremendous passage. And we've taught it here before, but we've never taught it through the context of this book. So I'm excited to teach it as we, as we get to this point in 1 Peter. Now, just briefly, the context of 1 Peter, we know that Peter is writing believers in Asia Minor. It's about 64 AD, and they are literally about to go through a fiery ordeal, uh, which would come upon them for their testing as as and uh, Nero at that time, the emperor of Rome, was about to uh, blame the Christians for the burning of Rome, and they were going to suffer, and they were already suffering uh, in a small scale in the midst of the relationships that they had. Now, within this, uh, Peter has made it clear that we are temporary sojourners on this earth. We are resident aliens. This is not our home, and we have uh, received a great salvation in Jesus Christ. We've been born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We have an inheritance in heaven. We have a salvation ready to be revealed in the last day. And and even though we suffer uh, some temporal trials, God is using those uh, for his glory that we would be able to rejoice now and when Christ appears. Along with that, we are to then, thus, because of our salvation in Christ, fix our hope completely in that grace to be revealed to us when Christ comes, to, to be holy because he is holy, to, to allow him to live through us, uh, to live in the context of godly fear because of the price that was paid to redeem us from our sins, uh, to love the body of Christ. We've been born again unto that and to yearn for God's word because God is building up a tremendous spiritual house. He is, he is building us into a, a holy priesthood to offer sacrifices that are acceptable as we trust and obey him. You see, because we have been by his mercy called out of darkness into his marvelous light that we might proclaim his excellencies. And then in the middle of chapter two, we saw the application portion of the letter begin in the context of those who are suffering. 
uh, that we are to, as aliens and temporary residents of this earth, to stay far away from fleshly lusts which wage war with our souls. And that statement is foundational for the exhortations and commands that are in the rest of the book. We saw that within that we are to keep our behavior excellent among Gentiles, our non-believers. So that in the very thing they're slandering us in, the very things they're doing, that God might use that to shame them, that they might glorify God in the day of visitation. That God is using our responses to difficulties in ordered relationships, such as with the government and slave-master relationship, whatever it might be, that uh, as his favor is upon us, as we respond rightly, he might bring about those redemptive opportunities. And indeed, that's exactly what he did with Jesus Christ. Uh, through the worst evil, uh, Jesus' response to not revile and return, utter no threats, but keep entrusting himself to the one who judges righteously is our tracing pattern for us to follow. And when we suffer unjustly, because he, through his unjust suffering that came upon him unjustly, brought about our redemption, and God uses the same uh, ways of those persecuting us to bring about those redemptive opportunities and we saw within that uh, the wives wives are to submit in the context of relying on the lord and husbands are to live in an understanding way and and we are all to be uh, like-minded sympathetic brotherly kind-hearted humble uh, towards one another because god's ear is attentive to the prayer of the righteous and we are not to be intimidated by those who are persecuting, but do what is right, uh, to set apart Christ as Lord of our hearts. Uh, not to be intimidated, but to trust Christ in these circumstances, to keep a good conscience, to keep doing the right thing, uh, that, uh, and understanding that as with the responses that God uses in our lives, he ultimately gives us the perfect example with Christ who died for our sins and then brought about our redemption. Then in chapter 4, we saw that we are to arm ourselves with the same mindset of Christ. We're to be thinking rightly about the suffering God allows for doing what is right. Now, there are other passages that explain how we respond to the suffering that comes upon us when we do what is wrong. Uh, we, we recognize we reap what we sow, and God disciplines that we would share in his holiness. But when we do what is right and suffer for it, obviously this finds favor with God, and we need to arm ourselves with right thinking like the mindset of, uh, as, as we see in the mindset of Christ. And we recognize that we uh, are no longer living the way we used to live. We used to live for our own desires. We don't do that anymore. But we live for the will of God if you're a true believer, by and large. And within that, those around you who used to, uh, used to sin with, just to put it bluntly, um, they're going to slander you. They're going to uh, say things that are wrong, and, but yet the judge is standing right at the door. And although the world may judge you for your actions, uh, we have been delivered through the gospel by Jesus Christ, and we will experience life so with that in mind, we saw our last time in First Peter that the end of all things is at hand. That Christ could come at any time. That, uh, that he could come for his church, take us away, and then uh, we have uh, a tribulation in the day of the Lord. So the, the reality of, of meeting our maker is very close. Uh, personally, for someone who would pass away, uh, people die. It's a tragic thing. Death is a horrible thing. Uh, the only solution to death is Christ who conquered death. But the reality is these things could happen. Christ could come or we could be in his presence. 
And, and therefore, we should be as believers having our hearts and minds right, uh, being sober in spirit for the purpose of prayer. And we are to be reaching out, extending fervently in love for one another. And that leads to this last portion here on how we are to function in these last days, how we are to function. And we'll see that we are to be serving one another in the context of love. So with that in mind, First Peter chapter 4 uh, verse 10 is what we're going to look at today. It's really two verses, 10 and 11. And I want to read up through it from 7 through 11, and we'll look at 10 today. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be of sound judgment and sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. Above all, keep your love, keep fervent in your love for one another, because love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaint. And here's our passage. As each one has received a special gift... Employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Whoever speaks, let him speak as it were the utterances of God. Whoever serves, let him do so by the strength which God supplies, so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Today we're going to see in the context of having a right heart towards the Lord so that we can pray as we follow the Lord, living for his will, no longer for our own. We are to be loving the brethren. And also in that context, we are to be obeying the Lord and serving one another, serving one another. We're going to see we have been saved to serve the Lord, and that is manifest in serving one another. You know, so often we ask, well, what should I do? Kids ask, what should I do with my life? What's my career going to be? Well, we should be seeking the things that we can answer and trusting the Lord for the things that we can't. God hasn't said in his word, you'll be a, a, a pilot, you'll be this, you'll be a police officer. Uh, yes, he does lead us into what he has us do, and we know that he wants men to work. That's his will. But there are specifics that God has given us concerning our day in and day out Life And within that, we see it, one has to do with serving the Lord. And with this in mind, in context of serving, there are a few things that we need to understand so that we can serve the Lord rightly. We need to understand his word and what he has relayed in that. And the first thing we need to know is that we all, as believers, have received spiritual gifts. Look at verse 10. As each one has received a special gift... Employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. This is a tremendous verse that has a lot of truth in it. I mean, it's all true, but I mean, it has a lot of practical truth for us in our everyday lives. And again, we need to focus and obey the things that are clear, and then God will take care of the things that aren't clear as we, as we plan our way and he directs our steps on those other issues of life. But notice, he says, as each one has received a special gift. The, the Greek tense of the verb has received is, 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 a, is a done deal tense. It has happened. It's a completed action. As he's talking to the believers here, to brothers and sisters in Christ, as each one has received a special gift. You could translate it this way, just as each one has received a special gift. We're to be fervently loving one another, being hospitable, and just as each one has received a special gift, we are to employ it 
in serving one another. The term each one here speaks of certainly believers, those who have been born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now, this term special gift is the Greek word charisma, which means uh, that which has been given, that which has been given. It's in the context of grace. It is a grace gift. And obviously, when you think of a gift, gifts are given as something that is given to you that you have nothing to do with. You know, someone gives that to you. You are the recipient of that. Uh, it is a gift. And here, this speaking of grace gifts, as each one has received a, a grace gift or a special gift. Now, there are four specific passages in Scripture that relay what those grace gifts are, as we'll see what those spiritual gifts are. There's not, we don't, there's not a mystery in terms of what the spiritual gifts are in Scripture and you know, when you're interested in something, when you care about something, when you love somebody, you want to know everything about them. And God has related in his word uh, everything he wants us to know pertaining to life and godliness. And so we want to learn these things, not for the sake of head knowledge, but for the sake of obedience and a right walk with the Lord. But we have four passages in which we see these gifts have been given. We have Romans chapter 12, which, which Bob read earlier, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Ephesians chapter 4, and our passage, 1 Peter chapter 4. Those are the four passages. And it's important to realize, as we see here, that each one, or just as each one has done deal, received a special gift. Now, obviously, the Apostle Peter, and as we'll see, the Apostle Paul, are telling believers that each one has received a special gift. Uh, look look at Romans chapter uh, 12, verse uh, Three to start with. And we're going to be going between Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12 and a little bit in Ephesians 4, so be aware of that. We'll go back and forth through there. But Romans 12:3, For through the grace given to me, I say to every man among you, and Paul speaks by God's grace, by the way, his spiritual gifting, um, every morning, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to have to think so as to have sound judgment as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. Now, he's going to expand on that. This, this measure or portion of faith has to do with that gifting that God has given us that we function in the context of trusting him. Look down at verse 6. And since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let each exercise, let, let, uh, each exercise um, them accordingly. 1 Corinthians 12, 7, I'll read this for you. But to each one grace is given. Uh, we have in Ephesians 4, 7, 8, but to each of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. We all have received uh, gifting from the Lord. Everyone, it's a done deal. Now the question is, what is that gifting and how do I employ that uh, in a way that is not mechanical, in a way that is in the context of a real relationship with the living God? And I think we're going to see that it, if it's a grace gift, that we're not going to be able to pull it apart from his grace. We'll see that in a little bit. But each one has been given. Now, uh, apart from a unique time in the early church when God was moving his salvation plan from the Jews, the Jews were God's people, and God had to very clearly show that he had brought about his discipline upon them for rejecting the Messiah and had moved his salvation plan temporarily to the Gentiles. It would come back to the Jews. 
there was a unique time of spiritual gifts being delayed and brought about after one's salvation. We see that uh, in the book of Acts. But by the time we get to Acts 19, the apostle Paul is saying, did you receive the Spirit when you believed? When he talked to the Ephesians And then later on in Ephesians chapter 1, we see that after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit. When you place your faith in Jesus Christ, you receive the Spirit of God. And I believe, as we'll see here, we receive that gifting at the same time when we receive the Spirit of God. And so Paul could say, as each one has received, and Peter can say, as each one has received, it's a done deal. He's not saying, well, some of you are still waiting on your gifts. We'll, we'll talk about that later when you get that. No, as each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another. So let me ask you this. Do you recognize as a believer that you have been given a special gifting? We're going to see in a little bit that gifts are different. And, and, but they all are, are from the same spirit and they are used for the building up of the body of Christ. Do you know you have a spiritual gift? Are you using that spiritual gift? Do you know what, what it is? You see, with this, sometimes some people are not clear. And, it's, and we, we all are not clear when we first begin and start to learn about things. And, and we need God's word to help us to illumine those things. So we need to be cautious. You know, when you gain an understanding from, from the word of God, we should also gain in a relationship with Christ where you're gracious. You know, so if, if you recognize someone doesn't have an understanding of something, you don't put them down for that. You, you try to share the word of God so that they will understand. Uh, otherwise, that's arrogance and pride. But all of us start that point where we don't understand and we need to learn from the Word of God. So with this in mind, it it behooves us to take a look into Scripture and understand the nature of these gifts. I want to share a little bit about that first from the Scriptures themselves. First of all, I want to make a point that spiritual gifts are are not natural talents. Uh, It's not a natural talent. Uh, A lot of times people in the body of Christ make a mistake thinking their natural talents are these special gifts that we have received. Well, that's not possible. The natural talents we have, we received when we were born physically. You know, if you have a natural talent of being an excellent musician, uh, you receive that when you were born. And that gifting was, was manifest as you matured. It became evident that that was a specific talent that God had given you, whether you acknowledge God or not. There are those who don't know the Lord at all, but have natural talents. And we as believers, we have natural talents. You know, certainly these talents are refined as we, as we grow older. A, a baby doesn't uh, play Mozart, you know, but later on, if that same baby has that ability, well, uh, as, as, as he or she grows, uh, that is manifest uh, as a natural talent. But natural talents are not spiritual gifts, but yet they should be used for God's glory. If you have a natural talent, we should be using those as God opens the venue for us to to give them over to the Lord and for Him to be glorified in them. But spiritual gifts are not natural talents. Now the spiritual gifts, as I shared, are laid forth in four passages. And specifically, they come in, as we'll see in verse 11 of 1 Peter 4, two categories. There are speaking gifts and there are serving gifts. And within that, uh, we are to do all in the context of trusting Christ so that he would be glorified. Now, if you understand Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12 and Ephesians 4 and our passage in 1 Peter 4, you're not going to make the mistake 
uh, if someone asks you, hey, what's your spiritual gift? And, you know, say, well, mine is uh, musical ability. Well, well, that's not, and again, that's a talent. Or, or mine is the gift of prayer. Well, you know, prayer is great, and we all should be praying, but that's not a spiritual gift. Uh, some might say, my gift is a gift of hospitality. Well, that's great, and praise the Lord, we all should be hospitable. We saw that back in verse uh, 8, but that's not a spiritual gift. There are manifestations of the Spirit that are manifest in how we interact with one another, but they are not specifically these special gifts that go over and above the way we should function together as believers. Um, With that in mind, um, let's take a look at some make some observations from scripture about these spiritual gifts i think the first thing that we need to see is that they are grace gifts they are grace gifts look at verse 10 back in first peter 4 again as each one has received that's a done deal a special gift charisma employ it in serving one another we'll look at that in a minute as good stewards of what the manifold grace of God. There's a stewardship of that gifting, and and the gifting is in the context of God's grace. God's grace. Um, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. Take a look at that for a second. Ephesians 4, verses 7 and 8. And as you're turning there, I want to talk about grace. Grace is, is God's unmerited favor that comes to the person of Christ. It's something from God and not from us. And it is brought through in the context of Christ. The grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men. That grace is instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live righteously and uprightly in this present age. So look at Ephesians 4, 7 and 8. But to each one of us, what? Grace was given. Past tense. According to the, tense, according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led, he led captive a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. They're grace gifts. Uh, I already read this, but Romans 12, 6. And since we have gifts that differ according to the grace of God, Romans 12, 6, let us exercise them accordingly. And then in our passage, First uh, Peter uh, 4.10, as each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Now we're going to see there are uh, spiritual gifts, and obviously I've shared there are natural talents, and we, we use those talents for God's grace, but things can get intermingled. We may be using our spiritual gift as we're using our natural talent. We'll see that as we look at the specific gifts that are brought forth. So, First of all, these are grace gifts. You see, it is all by God's grace. You will never be able to function according to his gifting apart from completely relying on Jesus Christ. It is impossible. And one of the reasons, I believe, one of the biggest reasons people never discover their gifts is because they're never functioning by God's grace. If you are living day in and day out in a state of inadequacy and trusting in him for your adequacy by his grace then you're living in the context of how you will serve when God opens up those doors. And so often people never discover their gifts because they're not living in the context of inadequacy in self and adequacy in Christ. They are grace gifts. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. 
Now, certainly, I can come up here and use the spiritually of quote-unquote to preach, but if I'm not trusting in Christ, it's not the Spirit of God doing it through me. It's, it's Greg doing it. You see, but if I'm going to exercise this spiritual gift of teaching and then of a pastor teacher, I need to rely completely on Christ, and then by his grace he will bring forth what he desires. Let me give you some examples. Look at Romans 12, uh, verse 3, and I read this earlier, but look at this. Look at how Paul explains things. Paul never said, hey, I'm a really great apostle and I speak pretty well. He actually said the opposite. He always gave God credit for his gifting because that's how he functioned. Romans 12, verse 3, For through the grace given to me, I say to every man. Paul spoke as an apostle by God's grace. He was resting completely in Christ, trusting completely in him. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 9. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 9. Paul says, For I am the least of the apostles, who am not fit to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God... I am what I am. By the grace of God, he's an apostle. That's what he's saying in that context. And his grace towards me me did not prove vain, but I labored even more than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God with me. It's so important that we realize that we are to function by God's grace on a daily basis, and you cannot serve the Lord apart from God's grace manifest in you in the context of the gifting that he has given. And again, I believe so many people don't ever understand what their gifting is or serve in it because they're not walking in God's grace. It's not a part of their lives. They try to figure it out when it's not even a part of their lives in their daily walk with Christ, supposedly. We are not adequate to consider anything as coming from ourselves, but our adequacy is from God, 2 Corinthians 3, 5. And as we have received Christ, so walk in him. We received him by faith, Colossians 2, 6, and we are to so walk in him. Now, we're not perfect. We fail. We, we go into the flesh. We don't trust him at times, but we must rely on him. We must walk by faith. And apart from that, you cannot minister to one another in the context of these gifts apart from relying on his grace in Christ. And again, this is where we fail so often. Maybe we want to serve the Lord. We hear a sermon on spiritual gifts, and I want to serve in my gifts, I want to do this. But we, we sometimes need to realize maybe I need to walk by his grace first. I need to be walking and trusting in him, and then God will manifest those abilities as we do so. Now, as we continue, there are grace gifts in the context of love, as I've shared. Bob shared that earlier. Everywhere you see love, you see spiritual gifts right around. Everywhere you see that. And as we're going to see today, there are differing types of gifts. They're not all the same. Not everybody is the same. Just as the illustration Paul will give in 1 Corinthians 12 of our bodies. Not everyone is an eyeball. We have different parts that work together in submission to the head that function in a way that is glorifying to God. You know, when you look at uh, those who have disease, disease is a horrible thing. Uh, We live in a cursed world. We live in a fallen world. And when you see a body that is not functioning properly, you know something is wrong. When parts are not working the way they should, it's a tragedy in that sense. And the same thing for the body of Christ. We have differing gifts, but as we'll see, God has 
given them by the same Spirit, and they are to be used in the context of unity. So, uh, as each one has received a special gift, employed in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. That term manifold in 1 Peter 4.10 speaks of multicolored. Obviously, it speaks of various kinds and, and the idea that these gifts differ. They differ. Take a look in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Let's turn there. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And I want to read through because the Corinthian church had a bunch of problems and Paul is addressing that. And I believe they responded because they were real believers. You know, he, he tells them to examine themselves, but he says, I'm sure you're in the faith, basically, later on. You know, they're real believers, but they needed to be reproved. They needed to uh, be, in a sense, disciplined, as Paul said. And he didn't want to come with a rod in the end of Second Corinthians. He wanted them to respond rightly. But as they were messed up in some of their stuff that God needed to correct for our benefit, uh, one of the issues was they were prideful and boasting, and they were focusing on uh, the giftings and those things rather than on relying on Christ and trusting in him. First Corinthians 12, 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts. Hey, this is what I'm going to talk about, Paul says. Uh, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware. I don't want you to be ignorant. And notice what he says. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray by dumb idols, however you were led. He's like, hey, don't you remember when you were a pagan you were led astray by dumb idols, and, but however, you were led. You were drawn by that stuff. And then he says, Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is accursed. No one can say Jesus is Lord apart from the Holy Spirit. We go, what's he talking about? Well, we're hearing the second half of a conversation, you know. But in the context of that, evidently the Corinthians were speaking in tongues, all sorts of stuff, and people were cursing God in different languages. And he's saying, hey, no one does that. No one does that by the Spirit of God. You need to realize it's just like when you were led by dumb idols. So I'm going to correct you concerning spiritual gifts. And this is a correction here that Paul brings. Therefore, excuse me, um, verse uh, 4, now there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. His whole case is going to be, you may think these certain gifts are of the Spirit. They're not. If they're from the Spirit, there's going to be unity. There's going to be these characteristics of this, this coming from one Spirit. Diversity in gifts, but unity by the Spirit. He's going to make that case. Now there are a variety of gifts, like I shared, multifaceted, but, but the same Spirit. There are a variety of ministries or servings, but the same Lord. And there are a variety of effects but the same God who works all things and all persons. Hey, although there are different manifestations, it is all by the same Spirit, by the same God. And then he says in verse 7, or verse 6, or verse 7, but to each one is given a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Go down to verse 11. We'll look at the verses in between in a, in a minute. Verse 11, but one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually just as he wills. Spirit of God willed what gifts we would have. For even when, as the body is one, yet has many members, and all the members of the body, though there are many, are one body, so also is Christ. My body has all sorts of different members. I've got thumbs and fingers and eyes and nose and legs so also the body of Christ. It's an illustration. And he says here, 
Uh, for by one spirit we were all baptized, or placed into one body, that's the body of Christ, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free. We were all made to drink of one spirit. Hey, it's already happened. You have all partaken of the spirit of God through faith in Christ, right? And so he says here, he says here, um, for, for, one, for the body is not, one, is, is not one member, but many. If a foot should say, because I'm not a hand, this is really kind of funny, right, as we look at this. If a foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I'm not part of the body, it, it's just, it, it is not for this reason any less the part of the body. If an ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I'm not, I'm not part of the body, it is not for this reason any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the, if the whole were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body just as he desired. Uh, a side note, be content if you know what your gifting is with where you're at. Be content. God chooses sovereignly where he wants you to be as how, in, in the context of how we are gifted. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now there are many members but one body. And I cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Or again, the, the, hand, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, it is much truer that the members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we deem less honorable, on these we bestow, we bestow more abundant honor. And our, seemingly un, and our unseemingly members come to have more abundant seemliness whereas our seemly members have no need of it. But God has so composed the body, giving more abundant honor to the member that which lacked, that there should be no division in the body, but the members should have the same care for one another. He's done it just perfectly, that, that we would be united and have the same care for one another. He's chosen how we are gifted. There are different gifts. There are differing gifts. They, they, they are different, but by the same spirit and these gifts in the context of god's grace uh, are exercised in the context of unity for god's glory again don't be jealous of anyone that's sin don't look upon others people's giftings with envy that that satan will use that to destroy you and others by the way uh, god has gifted you and i the way he desires and we are all to function under the head and that is jesus christ as each one has received a special gift employed in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold, multifaceted, colored, multicolored grace of God. Now, I'm so thankful that God has not left us in the dark concerning what these multifaceted giftings are for the, bi- for, for, for the body. They are relayed in scriptures for us. And as I shared, they are in two categories. Uh, look down at verse 11 in 1 Peter 4. Whoever speaks... Let him speak as it were the utterances of God. Whoever serves, let him do so by the strength which God supplies, so that in all things, hey, he's saying this is the whole, encompasses everything, serving and speaking, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the dominion forever and ever. Amen. We'll see this next time as we look at this, but I want to share the... the uh, giftings today for time's sake that are in effect that we would have there are some gifts that were foundational some gifts that were sign and revelatory that that are no longer functioning now there are other christians who have differing views i want to show you from scripture 
uh, what I believe is accurate. So I want to show you today the gifts that we would have, the ones that we'd have. And Lord willing, next week we'll go through again the giftings, but we'll look more specifically and more in depth at each one. And we'll also talk about all those sign and revelatory gifts. And then the week after, Lord willing, we'll, we'll put a bow on it and bring it together in terms of the brackets of how we are to serve. So today I'm going to skip the sign and revelatory gifts. We will talk about those next week, okay? But I want to talk about the things that we have for time's sake. Or we would have been here a long time. The sermon was getting really long. And uh, by God's grace, he uh, prompted me to, to trim it down and add, add another week. Okay? All right. So with this in mind, let's take a look at the passages that have the gifts in them. Let's look first of all at 1 Corinthians. And it is the most extensive list of spiritual gifts. And as we look at this... Uh, I want to read the portion, and then I want to look at the gifts, again, that are, I believe, in effect, and then we'll look at the ones that aren't in effect, and we'll, I'll share my reasoning why. There are other believers that don't believe certain, you know, there's some differences in the body of Christ. I believe we have enough scripture to understand what God has said, so we'll look at that. Okay, um, 1 Corinthians 12:7. But to each has been given a manifestation of the Spirit of, for the common good, For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith, to another faith. 1 Corinthians 12, 9, to another faith by the same Spirit. I think we're going to see that almost every one of these gifts has to do with something that we should all be doing anyway. We should all be trusting the Lord. We walk by faith. We should all, by a certain point, Hebrews 5, become teachers. We should all be admonishing and exhorting one another. All these gifts are things that we all should be doing. But there is an extra special sense over and above that God gifts for the body of Christ. He says here, the first one here that I want to look at today, and again, we'll look at those sign and revelatory gifts next week, to another faith by the same Spirit. This is a spiritual gift that when one abides in the grace of God is able to trust the Lord in a special way. It's a gift of faith over and above. And it is not for one's personal benefit. The gifts are not for personal benefit. It's for the manifestation of the common good. It's not so that you can trust God more and more and then go do your thing. It's that the faith that you have would be a blessing for the body of Christ. And isn't that the case? If someone has the gift of faith, you're struggling, you're trying to trust the Lord in an area, and someone comes up to you and shares the word of God and says, trust the Lord, he's faithful, look it, he'll do this, he'll do what he said, and you're encouraged by that, and you're built up by that. It's, it's a special gift. And some of us in this body have this gift of faith, and it is for the common good. It's for the common good. The special ability to believe what God has said above and beyond our walk of faith. Special ability. And with that in mind, we need to be around. If God has given you this gift, you are going to be a great blessing to those around you. All the gifts are a blessing, but you're a blessing to share your absolute faith and trust in the Lord. And God will lead you to use that to build up others in the body of Christ. Next gift that I want to look at here is the middle of verse 10. It says, And to another, distinguishing of spirits. The term distinguishing, diacresis, speaks of the ability to discern or make judgments. 
It's a spiritual gifting, and it is the ability to distinguish spirits. The idea comes, gives us the, carries the idea of identifying and judging the nature of such. We are we live in a spiritual world, right? You know, Satan is the god of this world, and those who don't know Christ are in his domain. We who have come to Christ are led by the Spirit of God, right? And there are those who speak, and there are the Spirit behind it. Could be God's Spirit, could be not, right? And there are those in the body of Christ that have a special gift over and above what we all should be discerning. We should be discerning, right? We should have our senses trained to discern good and evil. But yet there is a special gifting over and above that God uses for the benefit of the body. You know, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 14 and 15, Paul makes it clear that Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Think of that. Think of someone who's disguising themselves. They are trying to fool you. Satan portrays himself as one of God's angels. He's not, right? And it says, therefore, it is not surprising that his, if his servants disguise themselves as servants of righteousness, whose end is according to their deeds. There are those ministering in the body of Christ that may not be led by the Spirit of God. They may have doctrines, 1 Timothy 4, of demons. Paul tells Timothy that he's going to be a good steward or a servant of Christ if he points these things out. These, these doctrines that are not from God, but they're pretending to be from God. You see, in uh, Hebrews chapter 5 and 14, as I shared, we all should have our senses trained to discern good and evil, 1 John chapter 4, we are all to test the spirits to see if they're from God, for many false prophets have gone into the world. But there is a gifting over and above this, and it is for the benefit of the body. And when someone comes to you and says, hey, I think this here is not from God, you know, listen and go to the Word of God. They're going to use the Word of God if they're led by, by God. And it's, it's God through them bringing those warnings, having made those discernments, to protect us from those dangers. There are some in this body, not everyone, or we'd all be an eyeball, right? There are some that have this gift to distinguish that, okay? It's for the benefit of the body of Christ. And oh, how the body of Christ has cut off its toes at times when someone comes and says, look, this book, the shack, that's no good. Look at what it says. You know, we should be able to discern that, but some people have the discernment. They say, wait a second. Say, oh, no, hey, it's just, uh, you know, overreacting. Well, no. What does the Bible say? And is that person distinguishing in that properly and trying to warn you? We need to listen. We need to listen in light of God's word. Okay, let's go to the next one that's still in effect. We'll go down to verse 27, chapter 12, verse 27 to 12. And again, we'll get to the sign and revelatory ones next week. I just want to remind you that. Uh, 12:27 and foundational gifts. Now, you are Christ's body and individually members of it. Chapter 12, verse 27, 1 Corinthians. And God has appointed in the church, first, apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers. He's saying there actually is a priority. The Corinthians are saying, hey, tongues is the greatest gift of all. And Paul's saying, no, that's not it. And he, he, he makes an, a case, and we'll talk about this next week, that yes, when there's edification at that time in that temporal gift which ceased, that's, that's right, when being edified by it. But here he's saying the most important gifts are the ones that feed and build up the body of Christ. Apostles and prophets, foundational. And then here we see third, teachers. Teachers is the highest role in the church right now. It's not elevating that person. 
It's not elevated person, but that's what we see here. First, second, and third. This is the special ability by God's grace to teach the word over and above uh, the abilities that we should have in Christ with one another. You see, we should be able, as we grow in Christ, to be able to explain God's word to one another. But there is a special ability where the Spirit of God works through the submitted believer with this gift to teach the body of Christ. And you know that. You know when you've been taught. You know, you go, okay, this is the Spirit of God working in my heart through the Word. You know that. You know that. Next gift, end of 28, uh, that I want to look at. We have this term, helps. Helps. Oh, by the way, sorry, I didn't mention this. On the back of your outline, if you haven't flipped it over, there is a list there that you can go through. I apologize for that. There's a list of all the things there. Um, And again, we'll get to the revelatory and sign gifts next week. Gift of helps. The term speaks of laying hold. Grabbing somebody. Grabbing somebody. It really has a personal one-on-one sense to it. There are gifts of serving, which have a, a sense that it's serving, you know, could be one, could be a lot. But here, it's this idea of coming alongside and helping someone. Think about that. When someone helps you, they're personally coming alongside. They are personally doing something that is a, a benefit to you in what you are doing. They are helping you. They are helping you. It is a serving gift. It is the special ability by the Spirit of God to physically help in the body of Christ. And again, it seems to be an individual reality. And it is for the building up of the body of Christ. It's a special gift. You might have that. Then next in verse 28, there is the gift of, it says, of administrations. The Greek word is kubernesis. Uh, It actually means, the, the, the word means the rudder on a ship. It's interesting. God, there's two different gifts concerning leadership. One is leading from steering, and one is leading from the front. This is the leading from steering. And if you think of a rudder, the rudder's in the back, and it steers the boat, steers the ship, right? Some have a special gifting of kubernesis, the special ability to lead, steer, or administer the body of Christ for the glory of God. Obviously, if you have administrative skills and talents, praise the Lord, but this speaks of steering uh, and leading the body of Christ according to God's word for God's glory. Um, Obviously, this would be the type of gift that would go in concert with leadership, 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1. Now, let me review the gifts from 1 Corinthians that I believe are still in effect. Faith, distinguishing of spirits, teachers, helps, and administrations. These are the gifts that some of us have those gifts. Each one of us has received a special gift. Some of us have those. If you have it, we'll see that we are to employ it. If there's no opportunity, I think there is opportunity. Some of them want an opportunity to do it. Well, I think there is opportunity. First of all, abide by God's grace. And you'll find if you have a gift of teaching, you may not be standing up by the pulpit teaching, but God will bring people around you to share truth in the context of the Spirit of God, those things. Just trust the Lord and obey Him and rely on Him. Don't try to make it happen. Rely on Him. Okay, let's go to our next list of gifts in Romans chapter 12. Turn to Romans 12. And again, we'll look at those revelatory and foundational gifts next week, but I want to share... Uh, these gifts here. We'll look at, first of all, we'll look at prophecy next week, but in, look in verse 7. If service, now the context is these gifts have been given, right? We see that. We read this portion earlier in Romans. These are gifts given uh, to us to exercise the context of faith. If service 
in his serving. Here we have the word diakonia, which means serving. It means serving. It, it literally meant serving tables. You know, when I think of serving, I don't need to, under, I don't need to uh, try to define what that means in terms of this, this word. If I am, have a serving gift, I'm going to do like someone would be serving tables. They're going, they're picking up stuff, they're doing things, they're helping out. There's, just, there's this physical action of serving, physical action of serving. And if you have this spiritual ability above and beyond, what we all should be doing, by the way, we all should be serving one another. We all should be taking care of things, thinking of others as more important than ourselves. Uh, but if you have this above and beyond, God will enable you to serve the body of Christ in a way that is above and beyond, that is a spiritual reality for the benefit of Christ. If serving, and it's serving, basically says, if serving, then serve. If this is what it is, get at it by God's grace, right? Get at it. Notice the next one. Or he who teaches, middle of seven, Romans 12, seven, in his teaching. Again, this is the spiritual ability to expound upon God's word for the edification of God's people. And now, it doesn't just mean in the light of scripture that you just teach, you just go out and teach people. We know from scripture that we are to study to show ourselves approved, to handle the word accurately. There is work involved. There is labor involved, we see in scripture. Uh, James 3, uh, let not many of you become teachers, for there's a stricter judgment. If you have this gifting, there is other realities that go in with this. You don't just go out and teach. Um, but if you have this gift, then teach. God will give you those opportunities. If you're not an official teacher, God will bring people in your life where you can share the word of God with them in relationship to what God is doing in their lives. And, and it's not a lording over with your teaching over everybody. It's God bringing about these opportunities to instruct via the word of God. Next gift, verse uh, Verse 8, or he who exhorts in his exhortation. Basically, these things say, hey, if service, serve. If teaching, teach. If exhortation, if exhorting, exhort. The word here translated exhort is parakaleo. Kaleo means to call. Para means alongside. It has the idea of, of an individual with someone else calling them alongside. It's the same basic word that's spoken of the Holy Spirit as the comforter, the paraclete coming alongside to speak to them. And isn't that what God does? By his spirit, he comes alongside us, uses his word to encourage us, to, to help us, to, to speak to us. And it's the same thing. God has given some in the body this gifting to come alongside other parts of the body to encourage them, to exhort them in the word of God by God's grace, by God's grace. He says, if exhortation, then... Uh, exhort. And notice the middle of verse 8, he who gives another spiritual gift with liberality. Hey, we're all to be giving, right? I mean, if you've come to faith in Jesus Christ, you're going to have a changed heart. You really don't need any instruction anymore concerning this. There's a sense in which, hey, everything is the Lord's. I want to give back to the Lord. Uh, And we see that. We want to give from the first fruits. We want to give not under compulsion. We want to, it's a desire that we have. But there is a special spiritual gift above and beyond that uh, called uh, here, he who gives. Or the word translated gives means, it's actually an intensive form of the Greek word didomai to give, uh, metadidomai, which speaks of imparting or sharing. There's, a, there's an intensity to it. He who gives with liberality. Now, this term liberality kind of has been misunderstood 
uh, people thought if they have the gift of giving, I just got to give a lot. You know, the term liberality here really speaks of the idea of simplicity. It's in its basic sense means singleness. And what do I mean by that? There's a purity, there's a moral trait of purity of motive, simplicity. If you have a gift of giving, there better be no motive behind it. There better be just giving in simplicity for the sake of abiding in Christ, being led by him to help provide for the needs of the body of Christ. There's no strings attached. There's no, there's no, if you, you, that someone else has got to do something to get this. There's no strings attached. We've seen that. It's ugly. The reality is, if you have this gift, it is with simplicity. It is with sincerity. No strings. It is a spirit-enabled financial uh, giving that should be single-minded. And God has given some of you in this body that ability to do so. Next one we see here, leadership. And the term here, he who leads with diligence. The term here, lead, is the Greek word proistomi. Istomi means to stand. Pro means to stand in front. Proistomi. It speaks of someone who's leading. We had Kubernetes, the rudder in the back of the ship. Here we have proistomi. There are those who are placed in a God-given gifting to stand in front to lead the body of Christ. You know, I find this at times that everybody wants to be a leader, right? It's kind of like you should have five steering wheels in your car, right? Um, we all want to give our opinions and what we want to do. But in the body of Christ, God has given special spiritual abilities for the benefit of the body to lead the body of Christ. And if you're not a toe, don't act like a toe, right? We need to, we need to be who God has made us. So he says here, he who leads with diligence. There's a diligence to this. It's to be done in the context of diligence. And by the way, this term lead is translated in 1 Timothy 5.17 as rule. Let the elders who rule well be considered of a double honor, double pay, basically that's what it means, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. Elders need to have this, this gift. They need to have the ability to stand in front and lead, lead the body of Christ according to his grace and mercy. And it needs to be with diligence. It's not sloppy. It's, it's, it's diligent. It would done with diligence. The next gift we see here is end of verse 8, the gift of mercy. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Hey, we're all supposed to be merciful. When God is working in our hearts, we're going to have compassion and pity for those who are helpless. There's just going to be that compassion, especially for those in the body of Christ. We're going to have compassion. You know, we, there's there's... There's not just simply truth. There's truth in the context of love. And in mercy here, we see a compassion. Um, and with this, we have ultimately an extra special ability beyond beyond uh, what we should all be in terms of mercy. There are some of you maybe here who have the ability to show mercy above and beyond. And guess what? Think about who needs mercy. Do you think that's a fun situation? Probably not, Right? Probably not, but as God enables you to show mercy, there's a qualification here, with cheerfulness, with cheerfulness. Trust the Lord, be joyful that he's going to use the mercy through you to help these people. Be joyful about it. Don't be dragged down into the, the, the helpless situation, but trust God. He's brought you in a situation to use you 
to help that person. So be joyful about it. Be joyful about it. And so we see, with if you have mercy, with um, cheerfulness. Okay, so Romans list, serving, teaching, exhortation, encouragement, giving, leading, or ruling, and mercy. And I, those are the ones that I believe are in effect today. One more passage. Go to Ephesians chapter 4. Here we see the more foundational uh, pastoral gifts, in a sense, and foundational gifts in the body here. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7. Again, our list. 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, Ephesians 4, and 1 Peter 4. Ephesians 4, 7. But to each of one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led, host, he led captive a host of captives. He gave gifts to men. And then go up to verse 11. And he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers. You know, the way the Greek text is here, you have apostles, prophets, evangelists, and the way it is, it's not pastors and teachers like two different groups. It's pastors and teachers together. We would say pastor-teacher is probably a good way to say that. So the ones that are in effect today, apart from those foundational ones of apostles and prophets, first is evangelist. The term means announce the gospel. We are all to be ready to give an account for the hope that we have, right? We are all to have determined in advance what we should share concerning why we have an eternal hope. We should all be ready to share that we were sinners and Jesus Christ died for our sins and he rose from the dead and through faith in him I have the forgiveness of sins. I'm cleansed. And you can be too. We all should be able to share that and ready. But there is a special ability above and beyond it is for the body of Christ. How so? Because it's one of the giftings that brings people into the body of Christ. We see this here. Um, and he gave some as evangelists. You may have a special gift above and beyond our ability where God uses you to share the gospel. And God does it. It's impossible. When you look at anyone who is not saved, you go, there's no possible way they're going to get saved. And if you know them really well, you say, there's really no possible way they will ever get saved. But then with man, it's impossible. With God, all things are possible. The gospel is the power of God and salvation. If you have this gift, it is a speaking gift. You will use the word of God to share the gospel. And God will use it to bring people into the kingdom. You know, I've seen people who have this gift, you know, have the gift with children, seem to be leading kids to the Lord, whatever it might be, with adults. If this is your gift, God is going to place you in a position with those who don't know Christ, maybe in the body maybe without, and that is to evangelize. You know, each one of us have received one or more gifts. Some of you here probably have that gift. And if you're functioning by God's grace, relying on him, he will bring about opportunities to share the glorious gospel of Christ. Notice the, the last here on the list of our gifts. And some as pastors and teachers are literally the singular gift to pastor-teacher. These are gifts that are given by Christ to the church. They are gifts, victory gifts. He ascended on high. They are given to the church. And notice what these are gifts are for, all these. Verse 12, for the equipping of saints. Obviously, apostle, prophet, word of God, evangelist, bringing people into the body of Christ so that they can get equipped. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. This is verse 13 
to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Some have the gift of pastor-teacher. This is one of the gifts that I have, pastor-teacher. And there is preparation, there is work that it needs to be done with this. Second Timothy 2.15, uh, Titus, 1 Timothy, you must be mature and trusting the Lord to allow you to bring about uh, what he desires through this gifting. There are the requirements in Titus 1 and 1 Timothy 3 concerning those who are elders, those who are shepherds. And uh, the reality is, if you have this gifting, God's going to use it. Now, does it mean you're a pastor? Maybe not. God is the one who brings you into the place that he wants you to be when he wants you to be there. Our men are studying the book of uh, 2 Samuel. We see how long, from 1 Samuel, how long it took for God to place David into the place that he was supposed to be. David was patient and trusted the Lord and waited on him. And God placed him where he wanted him to be when he was to be there. You know, for, for my example, when I came to faith, it was evidently apparent that he had given me an ability that I did not have to teach his word. I didn't, I, I didn't try to do it. God was doing it through me, and people were seeing that and acknowledging it. It's all from God. God did that. But yet there were no opportunities for a couple years, for years actually. And God just used that for me to personally work in the context with people around me, and then he opened the doors in his time and in his way. And I want to serve him as long as he has those doors open, but I trust him in that. God did that. Just show up, trust the Lord, wait, be prepared, and he will bring you where he wants you to be. Okay, so the last uh, summary here back in our passage in 1 Peter. These gifts fall into two main areas. And it's very interesting, by the time of 1 Peter, there's no more, there's no more uh, foundational and, 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 uh, and uh, miraculous gifts. We'll talk about that next week. Again, people disagree on us. Um, he says, whoever speaks, verse 11, 1 Peter 4, let him speak as it were the utterances of God. Whoever serves, let him serve. Let him do so by the strength which God supplies so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. Hey, you know, if you speak, you're only going to glorify God if it's God's word. If you serve, you're only going to glorify him if it's by his strength. And then he says here, so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, whom we trust, by the way, who works through us, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So there's a list of, verse, of verses. Those are the list of giftings that we might have, I believe, that, that you'll have one or, or, or more of these. One or more of these giftings, if you're a true believer. And back to our passage, we are commanded to employ them. Look at verse 10. As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another. As each one has received a special gift, diakoneo, serve. Serve, employ it. It has an imperative force here. It's a command. We are to serve. We've been saved to serve the Lord. As we finish up, let me just share a few passages just very briefly. Turn to uh, Deuteronomy uh, chapter 10, verse 12. And by the way, while you're turning there, six times in Exodus, uh, uh, God through Moses says, let my people go that they may do what? Serve me. Serve me. We got saved to serve the Lord. And it's not a drudgery. It is a wonderful thing. It is such a blessing to serve the Lord in the context of his grace. There's nothing more, more important than that. I had one pastor share with me, find and understand how God has gifted you and wrap your life around it. 
It's how he's done it. Now, that may be in the context of the job you have, whatever it is. You know, there's different giftings. But allow him to use that through you. Deuteronomy 10, verse 12. And now, Israel, what does the Lord God require from you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, and what? To serve the Lord. So serve the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul, and to keep the Lord's commandments and statutes, which I am commanding you today for your good. Chapter 10, verse 20 in Deuteronomy. You shall fear the Lord your God. You shall serve him and cling to him. You shall swear by his name. He is your praise. He is your God who has done these great and awesome things for you, which your eyes have seen. Look at Joshua 24. There came a point with Joshua where, you know, the people who named the name of the Lord kept complaining, kept complaining, kept sinning and sinning and sinning and sinning. And Joshua's like, okay, choose this day. If you want to serve what you used to serve, go do it. Go do it. But for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. Joshua 24, verse verse 14. And by the way, this is the verse God used in my heart when he saved me, I believe. I knew all about him. I knew everything. I knew the truth. And he basically said, choose this day whom you'll serve. He didn't say it audibly. I heard the word of God in my heart. Choose this day. And that's when I repented of my sin and trusted in him. Joshua 24, verse 14. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and truth. Simple, simplicity of mind. No, no hypocrisy. Sincerity and truth. And put away the gods which your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. Hey, And guess what? But if you don't want to, and if it is disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves today whom you will serve, whether the gods of your fathers served, which your fathers served, which are beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Choose this day whom you'll serve. You're either serving sin, and that's no fun. It seems fun, but it's no fun. There's the price to pay in everything. uh, You'll reap what you sow. If you serve the Lord by his grace, there's joy. There's joy in the Lord. There's joy even in the midst of difficulties. Malachi chapter 3, verse 18. So you, again, will distinguish between the righteous and the wicked, between the one who serves the Lord and the one who does not. Does not. Matthew 4.12, as Jesus is addressing Satan, he says, uh, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship and serve him only. Matthew 6, 24, no one can serve two masters, Jesus makes it clear. You're either going to serve money or you're going to serve God. 1 Thessalonians 1, 9, uh, the, 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 the Thessalonians had turned to God from idols to worship and serve the living God. We've been saved to serve the Lord. We've been saved to serve him. You know, we'll get to this in our next uh, portion but we have a stewardship, and we'll look at this next time. God has gifted us, and he's given us a stewardship over those giftings, and we are to serve the Lord in the context of the giftings that he has given us. So how are we to live in light of the reality of a real relationship with Christ, no longer following our own desires but serving him, even suffering, knowing that Christ could come at any moment? You see, we are to be in our right minds praying. We are to be fervently loving one another, and we are to be serving faithfully one another. And concerning serving, it's pretty simple. As each one has received a special gift, 
employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Some of you aren't serving the Lord because you don't know the Lord. I thought I knew the Lord, but my life betrayed that. I was living my own life. I had this gloomy cloud hanging around. I knew enough scripture that I thought, uh, I could get zapped at any time. That was my thought. So I never went past a certain point of sin because I thought, you know, uh, uh, but I didn't know the Lord at all. And God had to bring me to the point of absolute brokenness to trust in his son Jesus. And if you haven't trusted in him, I pray that you would pray that break me, Lord God, that I trust in you and help me trust and believe in you to be a real follower, Lord God. For those of us who know the Lord, um, do you know your spiritual gifts? Some of you probably say no, and I would say some of you, maybe you are serving in them already and you don't know it. That's possible. You may be exhorting, encouraging, whatever it might be. You may be encouraging people with faith, whatever it might be. You may be doing that. But I would say the potential that you're not is probably pretty high if you don't know what it is. Get into the Word of God. Get into the Word of God. Pray. Ask the Lord to reveal what gifting you have. Be functioning by His grace. If you're not relying, abiding on Him every time you come around one another, you're never going to know what your gifting is because you're not functioning by His grace. Function by His grace. And He will start to manifest how He's gifted you. Get into the Word and look at what it is. Understand the truth and ask God to help you see how you've been gifted so that we would glorify Christ by serving one another. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you so much for your grace that you have taken us wretched sinners and given us all uh, now the opportunity to serve you. Lord God, I do pray for those here who are not saved, um, that you would lay on their hearts that they should not play games, they should choose whom they're going to serve. Lord, we know in your word that serving self and sin leads to death. I pray that you would remove the blinders and the deception of the heart, that they might see the truth and the glory of your Son and trust in him. Father, for those of us who know you, may we be faithful. May we be found as good stewards of your manifold grace. May we function in the context of how you have gifted us, that you would be pleased, that you would say, not for our glory, but for yours, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your son. It's in his name we pray. Amen.